This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now, in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. Tonight we're going to be talking about, is it legal for doctors to pray for their patients? Is that legal? And besides that, is it healthy for doctors to pray for their patients? I have a very special guest on the show today. I want to tell you all about him, but I just want to introduce him and say thank you for being on the show. Uh, Dr. David Levy, Levy, excuse me, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it's good to be with you, Kevin. Thank you. Fantastic. Dr. Levy, he has all kinds of accolades. He was a recipient of the Vitals Patients Choice Award in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2014. He was voted one of America's top surgeons in 2010, 11, 12, 13, and 15. He was the recipient of the Best Doctor Award from 2007 to 2014. And uh, I only tell you all these things. Uh, he's a very humble man at this point in time. Most doctors, you hear about him, they got an ego the, the size of uh, the United States. But but uh, he's been through so much. He's a humble man. And uh, I want to tell you, uh, he has a lot of reasons to have be prideful. He has a recommendation from Dr. Ben Carson himself. If you're uh, following uh, the political scene, you know Dr. Carson is one of the presidential candidates. And uh, who knows, maybe Dr. Levy will run for president someday. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, listen to this recommendation by Dr. Ben Carson for uh, Dr. Levy's book, Gray, uh, Gray Matter. Neurosurgery can be extraordinarily stressful, both for patients and physicians. But in the book, Gray Matter, neurosurgeon David Levy shows us how spirituality can help diffuse some of the tension while providing readers with a very interesting educational perspective on the brain and its potential. I am delighted to have one of my colleagues stand up boldly for faith and intellect. Dr. Levy, uh, who's a better surgeon, you or Dr. Carson? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that. You don't, I don't not want to a fair question. Yeah, 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 that's not a fair question. Are, now, are you biased for him as a, a, a presidential candidate because he's a surgeon? I do like him. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. he's pretty fantastic. I want to give one more uh, reference. You know, you might be out there as a non-believer going, what in the world? This guy prays for his patients. That's what he does. His book, Gray Matter, is all about that and how he actually began the process of deciding that it was in his patient's best interest to offer them prayer. This is a a reference from an agnostic. That is someone who doesn't know what they believe or is not confident that God exists. Listen to this. Dr. Levy is a well-trained, experienced, and professionally superb brain surgeon. In bringing God into the equation, he has broken through a near taboo, and he has done so for the good of patient and family. To do such good is the essence of our calling. For another physician, an agnostic, to recognize his accomplishment must be the highest compliment. You will enjoy this book and the gift of insight it gives you. That's from Charles Kerber, MD. He's a professor of radiology and neurosurgery at the UCSD Medical Center. And uh, Dr. Levy, you are today a 
a professor and a surgeon at UCSD. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, your whole testimony and everything and all the, all these things these people have to say about you uh, just is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I wanted to start off by uh, you told me off air that your parents actually didn't think you could even make it in college. And yet here you are, one of the most uh, successful brain surgeons in the country. And uh, how did how did this all get started? Well, Kevin, I didn't really apply myself well in high school. And I was working at a gas station. They thought I would do well in vocational school. And so I was all set to take auto mechanics. But I was under under my car working at the gas station. I, I'd been you know trained in, in auto mechanics. And as I was taking my transmission out, it was making a funny noise. I had this thought that if I could fix cars, I could fix people. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a leap there. It I was fix car- <laughs> <laughs> well. I had a, a friend who was taking the medical college admission test. Actually, the station owner's son. And so I had this idea that he sort of planted that seed in my mind. Well, there I was under my car, staring up at this transmission. By the way, I put it all back together. It still made a funny noise. There was oh, a little oh. piece of metal on the muff- muffler that was. Uh, it was causing the noise, but <laughs> in the meantime, luckily I that wasn't a sign of future success there. <laughs> That's right. But I had this, I, and I believe God was speaking to me at that time. It was, it was something powerful enough to make me uh, go to the pre-medical advisor's office at the local college and, um, and sign up for the pre-med program. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Um, and now uh, just more background uh, for our listeners. Uh, it's so interesting to me. You come from a Jewish Orthodox family, or your father was Jewish Orthodox, um, and you were an auto mechanic, and today you're a follower of Jesus the Messiah, and you're a brain surgeon. Talk about a transition. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting story. And I, I want to recommend again his book, Gray Matter. Um, you know, when I normally think of a, a scientist or a brain surgeon writing a book, I think dry and boring but um, I've read a lot of this book, and it is phenomenal. The stories are very engaging, and it's very hard to put it down. But so you you get out, you you apply to medical school. What what was the background with your parents? Um, you know, you said they didn't think you could make it. Uh, where did they come from? What what was the situation with them? Well, my father grew up in an Orthodox family in in Europe, and just before World War Two, uh, he was seven years old, and they had to uh, leave Europe. They they went to the coast of Africa, actually, for uh, 10 years, where my grandfather worked as a carpenter. So the, the Nazis came through. Anyone who didn't leave, basically, was sent to the concentration camp. So my father escaped. He then came to the, the Bay Area in uh, San Francisco area, Oakland. Actually. And they had to start completely over. Started completely over. They lost all of their material possessions and Ended up in the Bay Area. My grandfather was not able to come, so my father, his mo- his mother, and brother came over and lived with uh, some relatives. Now, did you have brothers and sisters also? Uh, I I have brothers and sisters. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. Okay, so a pretty big family. Now, did what your parents went through, because that's got to be traumatic. I mean, right there, World War II, that's intense. Uh, did that affect your relationship with your parents at all? Did How did that affect things? It really did. I in wartime, there is not much emotional energy for the children. They, they really don't get a lot of love. And so I had a very tough relationship with my father. I, it was strained for, for most of my life, actually. Um, and certainly growing up elementary school and even, I would even say in medical school. So 
I wanted him to give me something, to give me approval, to make me feel that I was loved. I actually wanted him to give me something that he couldn't give me because mm. he didn't have it. Yeah. Uh, no one had ever shown him uh, what a man was or how to, how to, uh, that he was enjoyable. No one ever enjoyed him. Mm. He was, uh, basically it was survival during those times. And so he, w- you know, children were to be seen and not heard. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he didn't receive any love, any, uh, no one delighted in him. And so he was unable to delight in his children. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, ended up, uh, just a I had a difficult time with fatherhood. He was a provider, but I wanted more than that. Mm-hmm. All, all kids do. I mean, uh, in my class at Skyline, our church, uh, we talk about this frequently with our uh, Pastor Don Welch, Dr. Don Welch, and he talks about this, how um, we can only give out what has been poured into us. And so that, that's what you're experiencing there. Well, one of the, one of the problems is that, that a child, because, you know, look, when you're hungry, you know, a bottle appears and, mm. and your parents seem to be able to take care of any pain that you would have. Well, that also comes true for emotional pain. You believe that if you have an emotional pain, they would be able to fix it. Yeah. If you have a hurt, if you have a need, if you have a void, uh, an emptiness, a pain, they would be able to help you through that. But if they were never loved, if they never had their uh, wounds, their emotional wounds uh, attended to, uh, they can't help you. The best they can do is, uh, honey, you'll get over that soon. Or, or yeah. uh, don't worry about it. Shake it off. You'll be okay. And not uh, the, the, the empathy, the, the kindness, the, um, you know, allowing you to grieve, allowing you to be sad yeah. without being threatened by it. And this, this uh, impacted really a huge amount of your life. Uh, in the book, he, uh, Dr. David Levy talks about this just how this affected him. And we're going to talk more about it here. We're coming up on the end of our first segment here. But what's interesting to me too, is that your father was an Orthodox Jew who ended up following Jesus. And uh, today, of course, you follow Jesus as your Messiah. And uh, when we get back, uh, Dr. David Levy, my guest, is going to share with us how his father decided that Jesus was the Messiah here, an Orthodox Jew. And then ultimately how that translated over a long period of time into Dr. Levy deciding that the best thing he could do uh, was pray or was offer his patient's prayer. Uh, So uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is going to be a very interesting show. Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event, including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. 
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. I will cast my cares on you. You're the anchor of my hope, the only one who's in control. I will Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m., you can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. If you want to get a recording of this show, which I have a feeling you will, uh, my website is educateforlife.org. You can download a podcast. You can also watch it on our YouTube channel. And uh, just a very exciting show. Dr. David Levy wrote a book called Gray Matter. If you want to visit his website, it's Dr. D. That's D-R-D. Levy, L-E-V-Y dot com. And if you go to that site, you can read all kinds of very interesting articles and how faith plays a role in medicine. What happens when a person uh, begins to receive prayer or themselves begins to prayer? How does that affect their health? There's a lot more to this than you might think. And uh, we're going to pick up with the background of Dr. Levy and where his father came from, how that affected him and then ultimately how that affected Dr. Levy's practice in medicine. So we left off your, your father um, was a Orthodox Jew who ultimately came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So he came to the United States and was yeah, a, a practicing Jew. Uh, during When he was in his 20s, someone put a copy of the New Testament in his hands, and since his last name uh, was Levy, started with L, he decided to read the book of Luke. And he got to chapter four. Very and, scientific and it, uh, strategy there. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, he got to chapter four, and where Jesus said that he came to to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And you know he had left two countries by that time, and and really felt uh, felt brokenhearted and wondered who this Jesus was and and what he was talking about, and actually ultimately began to pursue that relationship and became a follower of Jesus. So he married my mother, who was not Jewish. Uh, I grew up going to church, didn't like church, and so as soon as I could stop going, I stopped. I didn't really feel like it had much for me. I, I was aware of God, but um, more... Was this when you were in college? Colli- you, yeah, yeah, college and medical school. I really wanted... You know, I, I saw Jesus as weak, you know, that... He was nice. He was nice to children. He was nice to animals. He was nice to the poor. Jesus with the sitting in the forest with the rabbits and the kids. Right. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. But yeah. I was a go-getter. I was a neurosurgeon. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't a, someone that I felt was worth, you know, patterning my life after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, yeah, he was nice and then they killed him. So why would I want to follow? Uh, and something about neuroscience that we know is that the brain, you essentially decide what you want to believe mm. and your brain will make it true for you. It will pull in information that supports your conclusion yeah, and it will reject information that doesn't. And there I am in medical school and university and you're surrounded by people who are generally 
uh, intelligent, uh, uh, wealthy to afford the school. Healthy, uh, healthy young, young, yeah, beautiful. It, it is the time when you know anti-God sentiment would be at its highest. You don't actually need God because you can make it happen yourself. Yeah, with all of your discoveries, with all the newness. Well, I, I, that was what I was surrounded by. That's what I wanted to believe, and so I. So chose- you were you were a. Christian at this time, but almost kind of like a, um, almost a nominal, nominal kind of Christian in a way, kind I mean, of distancing even, yourself. I would even maybe. say embarrassingly, I, I, at one point, I didn't really want it to be true that Jesus was the Messiah. It wasn't mm. convenient for me. And mm. that's interesting how the brain works. It, yeah. it really wasn't, it was going to cost me too much socially. And so I chose to believe, well, I think he was a nice guy. He was nice enough, but uh, not someone that I would really want to follow. And um, yeah, I was not interested in reading the scriptures. Okay. Yeah. That, that's really interesting what you say about how the brain uh, rejects things that it doesn't want to be true. It's kind of um, preserving self-preservation kind of in a way. Uh, this belief uh, hinders my ability to pursue my goals. Therefore, I'll kind of push that belief out the door. That's, that uh, speaks volumes to our lives as far as we need to really reflect on why do I think the way I think? Is it because it's true or is it because I want it to be true? Right. That's a powerful statement. And a lot of people I would ask them, well, if, if, if Jesus turns out to be the Messiah, is that good news to you mm. uh, with your social situation, with your, your family dynamics, with your academic career? Is, would that be a good news item if you were to find that out? And you know, obviously we're all biased. Scientists especially make, we, we pride ourselves in, in assuming we're non-biased, but yeah. everyone has one. Yeah. Everyone. I, there are things that I, I, I want to be true and I, other things I don't want to be true. Absolutely. Now you, you were uh, pursuing um, basically fame. You, you said in your book, you talk about this, how you, your goal was to become very, very successful, to become a famous brain surgeon, to, to have the money and have all these things. And what is it that caused you to start? I mean, where, where did that transition happen? Because you, obviously now you're a very dedicated follower of Jesus. What happened to provoke uh, the movement, the change in your life? Well, I was operating on a patient. I'd been to France. I'd, I'd done some very highly technical surgeries and was, was doing a case of a giant aneurysm. Um, woman was in her 50s. It was a technical bypass case. So I was taking the vessel from beneath the, the skin in front of her ear. It was a little tiny vessel, the superficial temporal artery, and sewing that into the brain stem vessels, not just the surface of the brain, deep in a six-inch hole under a microscope using thread that you can barely see with a human eye. Yeah, anybody can do that, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so only a few people in the country can do a bypass at that level. Yeah. And uh, I was able to do it. It took 11 hours, and I was so happy that it was done because I couldn't wait to show this at the next meeting, this technical tour de force that, um, you know, so few people could do. Yeah. Well, unfortunately she got a blood clot and died, uh, very soon after that. And, wow, and I was devastated. And for the first time I could say, I, 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 I cried. Some of it was, I was just physically, emotionally ex- exhausted. Yeah. But it's interesting now in, in, in retrospect, I, I never asked her if she was ready to die. Never even occurred to me. It was all about me. Mm. which uh, unfortunately under the altruism of medicine, a lot of, especially academics can fall into, you know, how can I get my career going? Yeah. And, and, you know, as long as everyone does well, it's fine. But as soon as something that was my goal is not going to be achieved, 
you know, I, I want to make sure my goals come true, my dreams come true. Yeah. Uh, even if the patients are not necessarily going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Now, this lady did need the, the operation, but it was, uh, well, it was, it devastated me as far as just, it was so painful. I'd never felt that level of failure before. Everything I'd done had essentially worked. After it had, and especially after it had looked so successful, everything looked clean and good and amazing. And it's then, the roller coaster, coaster ride of neurosurgery. It, yeah. it, is a, it is a tough ride. But, you know, as, as God works oftentimes to really get our attention, a, a second uh, blow would happen, and that's a, a relationship had, uh, had gone bad. I, I, you know, didn't know much about relationships. I could probably write what I knew on the back of a three-by-five card. I thought I knew a lot because I was a neurosurgeon. And, yeah, and, and they know everything. They know everything. <laughs> so relationships, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer. It's yeah. something that, that would be easy to do. Well, I thought that this woman should, I actually liked her, but I never told her that. I actually treated her poorly because that's what I saw people doing on the movies and whatever. Yeah. And James Bond. Ja- and so right, yeah. is right. The, the worse you treat them, the, the more they seem to love you. That, the, <laughs> that relationship, that's great relationship advice there, right? <laughs> and James Bond had a high-tech, dangerous job like I did. I, yeah. I thought there was some parallels. Well, she decided to see another doctor. Oh. Yeah. That's a blow. And... I, the thing that baffled me was that he wasn't nearly as talented as I was. Yeah, you were a much better brain surgeon. What's going on? <laughs> so how she, but I realized, wow, okay, something must be wrong. I must not be treating her well. And then I discovered, of course, too late that I really did like her. Yeah. Well, I got angry. And of course, when surgeons get angry, we blame people. We blame the nurse, the anesthesiologist. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. Well, I blame my father. It was his fault. He was the one that should have told me about relationships instead of we just, you know, watch James Bond movies together. There was, there was no help in that arena. Uh, and he also had told me that if I was the best, that I would be happy. Uh, he didn't say it in so many words, but that was implied in the way uh, I was raised. And here I was the best, should have been at the top of my game, and I wasn't happy. So I was angry with him, and I called him, and I wrote him letters, and he never responded was just made me angrier. He, like many of our fathers, didn't have the emotional range to respond to accusations about who he was or what he had, how he'd raised me. Well, I'm going to have to cut you off right there, Dr. Levy. We are going to come right back. And uh, those of you listening, uh, this is a fantastic show. Uh, The book uh, Gray Matter by Dr. Levy is excellent. I highly recommend it. There's so much life application to it. It's not just about brain surgery. It's about Uh, how somebody comes to know Christ and then move towards him in a relationship and integrate him into his life and the impact that faith and prayer has on medicine and your health. It's absolutely phenomenal. We'll be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Not all home inspections are created equal. Experience matters. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. So call before you buy or sell and protect your investment. Call 619-660-7866 or online at sandiego.housemaster.com. Home inspections done right. Guaranteed. 619-660-7866. 
How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. I'm giving it all away. No more hiding. No more stalling. I hear you calling me. And I'm calling Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. And you can stream the show all over the world at AM 1170 theanswer.com. My website's educateforlife.org. Now what I do is I'm an apologist. I teach people all about why the Bible's true. And our our uh, radio show tonight is with Dr. David Levy. He is a brain surgeon. He is at UCSD. He's also a professor at UCSD, a uh, world-renowned brain surgeon. He's been uh, recommended. His book is recommended by Dr. Ben Carson and many others. And uh, just a very knowledgeable person with a lot of experience, uh, both in brain surgery, but also just with dealing with life and all that comes with it. And uh, I can't recommend re- recommend the book more highly. He's it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, Dr. Levy, we left off the last segment with the fact that you uh, were kind of in a moment of crisis in your life, where you had a surgery that seemed to have gone fantastic, and all of a sudden. Uh, I think you said the day, a day later she passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tragic. And then your girlfriend broke up with you because, uh, you know, <laughs> she went with another brain surgeon, right? And uh, you just can't deal with aneurysms good enough. And so she leaves. And uh, and then you go to, to get um, help, you know, comfort from your father. And you're like, hey, dad, you're not responding. So, so what happens next? Well, I was angry. I was angry with my... Uh, with my father, I think I was angry with life in general. It just wasn't working out as I anticipated. I was, you know, supposed to be happy. All the, everything you'd read, everything you'd see on TV would have said. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, top of your game. My life was like a movie. It was yeah. very dramatic. Yeah. Well, I called my mother and I, and I was talking to her and essentially was angry and venting about my father and how he was, you know, very critical when I was growing up and all the things that he'd done that I felt were, you know, not appropriate and and should have been better. And she said to me, uh, David, you need to forgive your father because you've hurt people and you need to be forgiven. Well, that's not why I called her. That was not exactly. Wrong answer, mom. (laughs) Let's start over. I wanted some sympathy and she was giving me some truth. Well, I I didn't think at all that I should uh, forgive my father. I thought, you know, he should be apologizing to me. Uh, But that second part about me hurting someone else, now that actually made sense. I'd hurt this, this woman and certainly to get where I was, I'd walked on a few people and that's, that's the way it works, isn't it? That people offend us and then we turn around and well justified, we will do the same thing or something similar to other people. We will hurt or we'll hurt ourselves. We may eat a little too much or drink a little too much. It's, it's part of how resentment and bitterness works. Mm that it, it, it starts to affect your life. It actually starts to steal the joy from your life. And it was stealing the joy from mine. And so when I hung up the phone that evening, I felt, okay, I, 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 I sort of had a conversation with God. I recognized this was a spiritual moment. Okay, God, I forgive my father. 
but I need to be uh, reparented. I'm going to need to know what is the meaning in life because it's obviously not uh, being famous uh, as a neurosurgeon. Yeah. What is it about? And also, I need forgiveness that I uh, I've got things that I've done wrong, and I need to be forgiven as well. This yeah. is not all. And you you have articles that you've written on this too on, on your website about forgiveness and the impact it has and everything um, psychologically and on the brain and so forth, and on the physical body. Yeah, I think a lot of people have pain, especially things like back pain that research has shown that if they forgive, it gets better. That's It's amazing to me um, that from the Bible, if you follow the principles outlined in the scriptures, the amount of healing that comes. I mean, um, the one uh, verse that pops in my mind, I don't know the reference right offhand, but it says, uh, a joyful heart brings uh, healing to the bones. Mm. And uh, it's, it's interesting. In your, in your experience, as you've um, you know, studied the scriptures because you began to study the scriptures more and you've really tried to integrate the scriptures and prayer and faith into your life and into your patients' lives. Mm. Um, have you seen a lot of scriptures rise to the surface that you're like, wow, that is, uh, uh, from a medical perspective, that is certainly true. Has that been? Yeah, I think like one of the Proverbs that you quoted about uh, faith being uh, good like a medicine, actually, mm-hmm. or, or um, joy being good like a medicine. And there's there are a lot of verses on joy and on health, Um and I believe that God wants us to be in health. I think that's Third John. Uh, yeah, there there are a number of verses on uh, on health in the Bible that are that are very very um, poignant and important to, to to look at. And ultimately, the Bible tells us what what is going to make us happy. And so here you are pursuing all this other stuff. It's not making you happy, and now you're you're starting to make a switch. Now, uh, so at at that point, did you decide okay? I'm ready to make my focus more about God and loving others versus more less about me and, and uh, focusing on, on, did you find the source of happiness, I guess is what I'm saying. Is that right? Well, it, you know, it took some time. I, I did begin to have an interest in the scriptures after that conversation um, with my mother and began to, began to read. What I noticed initially was that, Jesus wasn't quite as weak as I thought he was. You know, I thought he was just a, a weak, mild guy that really wasn't worth following, said some nice things. But as I, as I read and realized, wow, he, you know, he, he calmed the storm. He walked on water. He healed people. In fact, they killed him. Even the non-Christian uh, sources said he was a wizard, that he did these incredible acts. There was mm-hmm. something about him that was compelling. But the one thing that he could do that I couldn't do is that he could love people. See, I loved people that were beautiful, that were wealthy, that were intelligent, that had uh, you know, brain aneurysms that I could fix and uh, publish. And, and it, I loved people that could do something for me. Uh, I call it boomerang love. I, I'm giving it, but it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Right. It's not really love. It's, it's all about me. It comes back to this egocentrism. But... Mm. But Jesus, he could love people that could do absolutely nothing for him. And I couldn't do that. And I wanted to learn that. And so that, that really started this process of being a follower of Jesus, of, of looking at what he was doing and obviously looking at the scriptures, looking at his life and, and, and then, you know, moving toward that. Yeah. And so that's, that's really neat uh, how that change began to take place. Um, we're still a long ways off from, okay, so you went from kind of uh, I don't want Jesus to be true to 
Um, now I can see that Jesus is different than I thought he was. I, I've read up on him. I've experienced some crisis in my life that's made me reflect and re-examine things. But we're still not to the point where you're praying for patients in the the operation room. And that's a big, uh, a huge issue. And uh, a lot of people would be very fearful to do that. It's interesting to think, okay, this is, we're seeing a journey here. You're going from very, very nominal to somebody who is so uh, enthused by Jesus and what the, the Bible teaches that he's actually feeling, um, this is something I need to do. Um, and so what was the, the process of getting to that point? Uh, what, what was happening in your life that was moving you in that direction? Well, you mentioned fear and fear, Kevin has been such a huge part of my life since I was young. I mean, I was biting my fingernails at seven. So Mm. there was, so part of my, and it could have been a, the Jewish background, a lot of a lot of fear about if people don't like you, they can kill you type things. That yeah, we're, we're, we're we all it, struggle with this fe- this fear to some degree, right? Right. So, what would people think was a big part. I mean, I I built up this career. You, we think our you know famous people, people with high status, movie stars have uh, big egos, and so they do. But they also think they're very secure, very confident people, and oftentimes it's not true. Mm. It's just the opposite. All of this is a facade for someone who's actually quite small inside that needs the constant affirmation because you really don't believe that you are something special. That so as I was, you know, moving and and looking at sort of meaning in life type questions, um, went I went to the. Dentist. You went to the dentist. Wow, that that just is a turn that I would never expect. <laughs> so when we get back, we're we're going to hit a break here. But when we get back, uh, the dentist uh, has a huge impact on Dr. Levy, and uh, it's it's the uh, hilarious story in the book, and uh, he's going to share it with us here on the air. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, we've been given a car. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Maine and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back and forth from doing right to doing wrong. Cause we were taught that's who we are. Well, come on. Welcome 
Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer. My guest this evening is Dr. David Levy. He is a brain surgeon at UCSD, a professor there. He's he's currently teaching and doing brain surgery and uh, just has a, an amazing story. Uh, he has a great book, Ray Matter. I highly recommend it. His website is drdlevy.com. That's drdlevy.com. Lots of articles on there talking about the interplay between faith and and medicine. And what we're talking about this evening is how he came to decide that one of the best things he could possibly do for his patients was offer them prayer. A lot of people might say, hey, does that violate the separation of church and state? I mean, can you really do that? Is it possible you could harm your patients by praying for them? Um, and and we're getting to the point here. He's, he's going to the dentist and uh, he has a life-changing experience at the dentist. I have those kind of experiences too. <laughs> good experiences. Actually, I have a great dentist. So, but uh, Dr. Levy, what happened at the dentist? So I had to have some fillings replaced, and he pulled out that three-inch uh, needle as dentists do, and I tensed up because I I believe where injections are concerned, it's more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up. I mean that that is so ironic. Here's a brain surgeon uh, nervous about a. Uh, uh, you know, a needle. <laughs> so he saw I was, I was tense. He, he, he knew I had faith. And so he, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said a short prayer. Uh, God, you know, guide my hands. I can't remember what he said, but I remember feeling a peace come over me. Like did that the, throw you off when, when he did that? Were, were you surprised or? Um, yeah, it was, it surprised me a bit, but, but once he started, it was very calming. It was very, it, you know, so, like the injection still hurt, but we all know that anxiety makes everything worse, especially pain. So he had done me a tremendous service just to, just to pray. Uh, and on my way home, I felt like, wow, um, I heard this voice, you know, you should pray for your patients. Well, I said, oh, that's, that, that is a, that is something, uh, a specific gift that dentists have. That's right. That's, that's in the Bible, right? <laughs> dentists, they can pray for people, that's right. <laughs> not brain surgeons. I've got serious, I got serious business. I've got serious uh, cases I, I, that I can't control. It's not yeah, like we're a, talking teeth versus brains here. Right. I, I, and plus, you know, what if I pray for somebody and the things and things go badly? I mean, I can't control all that. Yeah. I mean, that That's definitely a. Uh, lawsuits i mean is that possible yeah what if people think that i'm you know studying for the priesthood or trying to push my faith on them i had all these reasons and i just and i heard this inner voice saying you know if you're worried about being misunderstood i i can promise you at some time at some point you will be because jesus was mm. uh, but you still need to do the right thing and i think I, that is such a powerful statement and you know not just for somebody in brain surgery but it, that can really apply to anybody that can apply to a, a plumber that can apply to an engineer, wherever you're at, we're all a little bit nervous about saying the wrong thing that somebody's going to be offended or maybe we'll lose an opportunity to be promoted or whatever it might be. Mm. And, uh, I don't know. I just want to just speak to our listeners that if you're out there and you love the Lord, um, really take it from, uh, this message from Dr. Levy here is that, uh, do the right thing. You know, I think we've lost a lot of ground in our culture simply because too many people were more concerned about the consequences of what could potentially happen rather than saying, Hey, this person could need Jesus, you know? Um, and I'm not saying we're not trying to force our religion on anybody. We're not trying to do that, but we are, uh, kind of, you know, caring for people and, and, uh, saying that that's more of a priority. And, and Jesus, you know, he healed people and he just walked away. And, I, and when I pray for people, it's not as if I'm pushing my faith on them. It's something that I, if, if that would bless them, if, they, if that would bring comfort to them, I'm glad to offer that. It's like 
a sleeping pill. I offer, I write sleeping pills for people. They don't have to take it. You, you, mm. I'm not making you take it. If, but if that would be helpful to you, uh, I'm So here. if somebody says they don't want prayer, you're not like, I'm sorry, but you have no choice. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I really don't want to offend, especially, you know, they're, they're in a crisis. And I think people mm. uh, are sensitive about people who would take advantage of someone who's in a, a crisis. But I, I believe not to offer prayer uh, is cruel because of what I've seen. I've seen so many people so blessed and so calmed uh, without giving them the Valium and things that, that uh, we give people because of their anxiety before surgery. Uh, they're calm just with the prayer and yeah. peace comes over them. And when, when you talk about anxiety, I mean, um, we, we know there are supernatural effects of prayer where God intervenes, but be, beyond that, just the reduction in anxiety, um, anxiety is known to cause all kinds of health problems. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And and does it have an impact on the brain itself? Yeah, it's fear. Fear has an impact on the brain. It's Are there physiological changes when a person uh is there like physiological damage in the brain uh with stress and anxiety and these sorts of things too or is that Over the long term certainly it can be chronic stress. Yeah. I mean, one of the, what we call PTSD, post traumatic stress sure. when it's when it's chronic and long term they have seen changes in the brain from that. But um yeah, relaxing people before their surgery and, and allowing them, essentially, when you're afraid, as I was with this needle coming at me from the dentist, you know, the first thing you forget is that God is with you, even if you're a person of faith. And so for someone to remind you of that does you a tremendous favor, uh, whether it's a needle, whether it's a scalpel, a letter from a lawyer, uh, whatever it is, is trigger, you immediately feel alone and that God has left you. And if someone can remind you that that's not true, he's right there with you. It's a tremendous uh, benefit to you. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I just think of, you know, atheism or agnosticism or just a lack of confidence in God and uh, just the potential hopelessness that's there, which is there is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no one who's out there who loves me and cares about me. Um, as a as a Christian, for me, I take great... Um, it's a great value to me to know that there's a God who loves me, that I can go to him for strength and help. And when somebody reminds me of that, that makes a big difference in my life uh, in the small issues as well as the big issues. That's a big deal. Um, I wanted to read an excerpt from your book here. I think it's uh, fantastic. It's chapter two in his book, Gray Matter. Uh, and the subtitle of his book is A Neurosurgeon Discovers the Power of Prayer One Patient at a Time. And this is the very first person you prayed for. And I just can imagine this scene. Uh, you put, it was decision time. My heart was pounding as I climbed the back stairs of the hospital and entered the preoperative area, the large room through which all patients pass on their way to surgery. Pre-op pre has the feel of a busy port. Nurses, anesthesiologists, and doctors rush here and there holding charts and IV bags, pushing carts, carrying syringes and vials of medicine. Machines beep, dozens of worried family conversations mingle, Televisions chatter, and everywhere you look are gurneys gliding by with patients on their way to surgery. It's a scene that normally fills me with confidence and energy. I am rarely nervous before surgery and am typically the portrait of the calm and self-assured neurosurgeon. Even the smells of the hospital, rubbing alcohol, latex, sterilized steel, and plastic, trigger feelings of cool control in me before I reach the patient. This is my arena, my playing field. But today, I was terrified. I had made up my mind to pray with a patient for the first time. Mm. I can completely imagine that mm. scene. Uh, just 
you in in your mind thinking, okay, this is it. I'm going to pray for a patient and uh, just how nervous you would be. I know for me, I would have butterflies in my stomach. Um, I've had experiences like that where I feel that God is calling me to take a step of faith, to reach out to somebody, to offer them hope, to encourage them. And I'm nervous about it. What if they reject me? What if they don't receive it well? What if they're angry about it? And uh, all that is running through your mind at this point in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I asked the the woman ultimately, uh, I wanted to ask her if she was, if she wanted a prayer, but I didn't know when to do it. And there was a nurse there. And so I decided to wait for a bit. Uh, and I pretended I was doing something else. And I came back when she left because <laughs> I didn't want to pray with the nurse. Uh, this could be a great, a great TV sitcom, right? <laughs> the nervous praying brain surgeon. <laughs> so I saw that the woman had listed Protestant on her uh, sheet. And so I assumed she at least had heard a prayer. Yeah. And so I asked her, would she like a prayer before her surgery? Okay. Before you answer. Yeah. Uh, folks, we're going to be right back. And uh, Dr. Levy is going to tell us how she responds to uh, his offer for prayer, this very first patient. We'll be right back. God is changing lives on the streets of Hillcrest. And City on a Hill San Diego engages the community, talking with people, listening to them, and sharing God's love. See the stories at cityonahillsandiego.com. This is your invitation to get involved. Join them for a new worship service the second Saturday of each month at 6 p.m. at Joyce Beers Uptown Community Center. Call for details, 619-354-2511, cityonahillsandiego.com. Sharing faith, hope, and love. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Main and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. I will catch Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show all over the world at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. My guest this evening is Dr. David Levy. He is a brain surgeon. He's written a fantastic book called Gray Matter, and uh, it's just an excellent book. I highly recommend you pick it up. His website is drdlevy.com, and uh, he's got all kinds of fantastic advice uh, for how you can take care of your brain and take care of your heart, (laughs) right? The interconnection between the brain and the heart and um, just what's going on there. You know, we left off, he offered the very first patient he'd ever offered uh, prayer, and uh, how did she end up responding to that? 
Well, her two daughters were standing there and they looked at each other and the woman shrugged her shoulders and said, uh, okay, sure. And so, so she didn't yell at you or she, cuss you out or anything. Yeah. She it seemed odd to her as it does to many patients. They'll tell me, Oh, no one's ever offered me that. But, yeah. um, she said, sure, let's, let's do it. And so I, um, put my hand on her shoulder. That's what the dentist had done with me and said a short prayer. And I always keep my prayers quite short because yeah. when someone's being prayed for, especially if they're not used to being prayed for, even if they are, I don't like people praying for me when it goes on too long. Sure. Because you sort of freeze, all your muscles freeze, and you won't move until they stop. And mm. so 15, 20 seconds, that's about it for me. And besides, if if you know who you're talking to, you don't need long. I think long prayers are for people who really aren't, or they're trying to convince themselves. They they, they believe yeah, yeah. that this we is We believe, God, we believe. <laughs> So I said, you know, God, thank you for Mrs. Jones. Uh, help me with this surgery and give me wisdom and a success with this surgery. In Jesus' name, amen. And I looked up and there were tears coming down her face and, and her daughters were crying as well. And I thought, wow. I thought that is the same power that I, that I felt in the dentist chair. And so, well, now I've got these three crying women. Of course, I had to, you know, wave a nurse over to take care of this situation, but I had more joy at that surgery than I've ever had before because people look at me as a a God or demigod or something. But the truth is, yeah, people consider a brain surgeons kind of like a medical high priest in in a way that just these guys can do it. You know, they can do anything. But the truth is I'm good at what I do, but I don't control every aspect of the surgery. And so I said in so many words, you may think that I'm God, but I'm not, Mm. but I would be glad to talk with him, uh, to him with you. Yeah. If that's something you're interested in. Yeah. Essentially authenticity, honesty. This is this is the truth. And so as I was authentic, it really freed me up to enjoy my surgery more. That's awesome. So here you are pursuing success uh and what you thought would make you happy and now um you are allowing God to speak through you to people into people's hearts and minds and enjoy your work in that aspect. Um, that's pretty powerful. And, and has that, uh, jeopardized your career in any way, um, offering prayer for your patients? I wouldn't say jeopardize. I I would say it has added a dimension to my, uh, my work in my life that actually is quite rich. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's so, that's so fantastic. And, um, you know, you were talking about your, your students at UCSD and how, uh, even now you're teaching them about empathy. Uh, that's so interesting because here um, you think of doctors as having empathy just naturally because here, they, why else would they get into the field? They're, mm. they're there because they care about people. And yet you also mm. mentioned that, you know, a lot of doctors are there. Sure. They want to help people and everything, but they're at the same time, they're kind of looking for, you know, uh, to be praised and lifted up in a way. Well, the interesting thing is most medical students do come in with empathy. The problem is when they hit the clinical years, you have to start an IV on someone. You've mm-hmm. got to stick somebody with a needle for the first time. Empathy drops significantly like a rock. Wow. And oftentimes it never comes back. And that's just because you get so used to that process or, or what is it? Yeah, it's easier to sort of hide your feelings, to distance yourself from the patient. Well, they have the cancer, not me. They've got the they've got the problem with their back, not me. And of course, when you're starting out, you are young and healthy, as we mentioned, and yeah. you've got no health problems, and you believe, of course, that you never will. And so the empathy is is low. But I uh, I, I teach people how to become more empathetic, how to look people in the eyes, how to listen to what they're saying, sit down when you're talking to them. Mm. One of the things to that, be in the moment, kind of. 
and listening. Yeah. Listening to people. Yeah. And one of the big things I talk about is overwhelm because oftentimes a patient, or this can also be in your personal life, that yeah. the person you're dealing with is overwhelmed. And in most relationships, and I'll, uh, I would have to say a lot of women believe that the way to uh, um, overcome overwhelm is to keep speaking louder and, and yelling. Yeah. And if their man um, is is not listening to them, he may be showing signs of overwhelm. You know, he's not, he's not engaging. He's looking down. His eyes are glassing over. He's, he's kind of laughing or so, you know, there are a lot of signs of overwhelm that people miss. Mm-hmm. And if you miss the signs of overwhelm, you think that if I just speak louder, they will get it. But actually, first of all, they've turned you off. Yeah. And secondly, when someone, even to a child, if the child is overwhelmed and you continue to yell at them louder, essentially it destroys the relationship. It destroys the respect in the relationship. Yeah. It, it tells the person who's receiving it, this person doesn't care about me. Yeah. Uh, and, and it does a lot of damage. And so I encourage people to look for those overwhelmed signs. And if someone's overwhelmed, then you can always say, look, it looks like you're not able to hear me now. When can we set a time we can talk about this? Wow, that's awesome. There's so much um, practical application in what you do. Uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, you think of it in a way as purely physical, but what's happening in our brains, what's happening in our bodies uh, from a physio- you know, physiological perspective is so influenced by the way we live, by the way we react to situations, by uh, whether we're focused on the past or the, or the future and all these different issues. And um, have you found that more and more as you study this, uh, that it's so important to respond appropriately in situations, uh, how you live, uh, well, I, like you're talking about here with overwhelm and things like that. Right. I, I take a Sabbath every week. I mean, it doesn't, you know, the Bible talks about Sabbath. It's not necessarily always from Friday night to Saturday night as it was in the Bible, but it, any 24 hour period you can use. Um, I try to respect the, the original, uh, uh, Sabbath, just because, you know, Sunday's all, you generally a busy day for me, sure. but, um, I try to shut my electronics off. No yeah. email. I mean, I, it's tough. I mean, I, I'll walk by my computer and I'll start to twitch a bit. I, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> and, and it's, and if you don't think you're addicted, you shut your phone down for a bit. It, it will, um, it'll surprise you. Yeah. I recently read a study about this very thing. Uh, they actually did a study with a large amount of, uh, university students who actually, I think it was something or some, somewhere near 70% of these students could actually not even follow through with leaving their phone off for an hour. I'm sorry, for a full day, 24-hour day. Uh, day, And um, they just dropped out of the experiment because they said it was such torture for them. And uh, that's affecting our relationships. That's affecting our ability to uh, even commune, commune with God and so forth. Yeah, I think hearing the voice of God is much more difficult if we are just tuned into the electronics. Mm-hmm. If we need, not not only that, our ability to experience joy in life because, you know, a video or a video game or, uh, you know, a text, the ding on your phone when your text comes in, that actually stimulates dopamine in the brain. Mm-hmm. It's a, a brain chemical, pleasure yeah. chemical, and it's for a reason. You want more of that. Yeah. But also to hear the voice of God is is something we need to be able to quiet ourselves. For. Yeah, I think that's so important. Uh, Dr. Levy, I just want to thank you for being on the show this week. Oh, good to be here. You know, uh, folks, uh, there's so much to talk about. And uh, the good thing is, is Dr. Levy is going to be here next week also. And we're going to talk more in detail about the relationship between faith, medicine, the brain, uh, your heart, 
Uh, how, how do these things all interact? So I hope you'll join us next week, Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m., Dr. David Levy, brain surgeon, uh, and a person who has a very personal walk with God and prays with his patients. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Gray Matter is his book. DrDLevy.com is his website. And uh, I hope you'll join us next week. Uh, have a great evening. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170. The answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? 